Ding dong, it's Drizzly. Someone sent you holiday drinks. Hey, thanks. Can I guess what it is? Eggnog from a friend? I don't think so. A vintage red for dinner with the in-laws tonight? How did you know I'm going... Or is it apology scotch from your neighbors for driving through your lawn? What? That was Randy? Aw, it's a mezcal for my dad. Wow. Is he single? Download the Drizzly app for alcohol delivery or order online at drizly.com. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is View from the Cheap Seats. We're the Sklar Brothers. We love talking sports and we got a dandy today, a guy who's been broadcasting sports since uh, way back, should we say the 70s, I think, 80s, early 80s. 80s. I mean, he's one of our favorite announcers. He's one of the best in the business. I was just listening to a college basketball game. I think I'm in college football, but he was so good in the college basketball game. I'm like, he's just a gem. He's a Hall of Famer. Tim Brando joins us on the show, and then later Rudy Giuliani, who's really taken a meteoric drop. Uh, why do they call it a meteoric meteoric, meteoric rise? rise. Usually meteor- meteors fall it's and go more like a- into the ground. It's like a meteoric plunge. That's what he's doing, and he just keeps getting worse. It's just like it just keeps deepening the hole that he's in. And this time, it involves sports because he made some comments about Michelle Wee that Michelle Wee didn't like. We're going to get into yeah. that with him. Uh, but first, top take of the week. This is the biggest sports story of the week. This was like the top story on CNN all day yesterday. Tiger Woods involved in another car accident. Like So now we have two. We could talk about all the majors that he's won and two major car accidents that, that he's been involved in that he lost. Both of those. Uh, so, this is crazy. So, you were just on this road. We shot something for the Golf Channel last week uh, for Golf Pass with our buddy uh Jay Larson directed it. James Davis was in it. But we were driving in Palos Verdes. You were on that exact road. You were right by where he crashed. Tell me about that. It's a windy road that starts up from the beach, from where are the golf courses and the and the courses that are right along the water, the Trump course, the, pa- the Palos Verde, uh, Terranea course, and you're just going up the hill. It's treacherous a little bit. Part of me is like, why is Tiger driving himself to a 7 a.m. thing? Why is he in the Genesis SUV from the tournament the other day here in LA? What what is going on? Like that's not his regular car. There's a lot of questions. Like at this point, someone should be driving him to these events. He and- should have a driver for the because he doesn't live here in LA. This isn't his permanent residence. Like while he's here and he's not home in Jupiter, Florida, and he doesn't really understand the roads. Like even we understand the roads. You got to slow down. I mean, when you're coming down around the area, and I was coming around the other way on Hawthorne, it's pretty windy up there too. You just know to slow down, and it just doesn't matter. Like I feel like you maybe don't understand where you're going. It just there's too there are too many variables for a guy like Tiger Woods to be. It to me is like this is more proof that we need self driving cars. Okay number one, but that this guy should have a driver for the entire time that he's here in Los Angeles. Well, and also, and I'm watching the Tiger documentary, you see how reliant he became on things like Ambien and painkillers and things like that. And when that sort of pervades your life, you're never going to be a hundred percent focused and zeroed in. If you've got that stuff in and out of your system, again, another reason to have somebody sort of doing the driving for you. And if he's like, Hey man, I'm, coming off of two back surgeries and I need this painkiller just to be able to get up in the morning and swing a club. So this was the, what we heard from our buddy, David Spade, who was with Tiger the day before he posted a picture with him. Tiger was just on the course with a bunch of celebrities and athletes kind of just coaching people up. And he was being, he said he was really cool. He was like just goofing around with them and Supposedly, he was coming, but this is what Spade said. He was coming back that morning to work with Drew Brees and Justin Herbert, two quarterbacks in the NFL, and he was going to just help them with their swings, which I thought was, you know, a super nice thing to do. I'm sure for Tiger, it's fun to hang out with other athletes when the focus, there are other people around him. He does he isn't even the biggest person there, but still, you know, it was a big deal for David Spade, who's a huge celebrity, to post that picture of him and Tiger Woods. Like, clearly, that was one of the most, one of the biggest pictures that he's posted on his site. So, you see how huge he is. Like I said, Jay, I don't understand how he is being mishandled this way. 
you know, and like you said, maybe maybe he had to take some pain medication in the morning. Maybe he looked down at his phone as he's going down the hill and and you're picking up speed in a car that is not his car. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of questions as to, and, and the question is, will he be ever be able to play golf again? I mean, his comeback in 2019 where he came back and won the Masters after all the back surgeries, after all the problems he's had, pretty amazing and, and really remarkable. I just don't, I think he'll come back and play again, but I don't think he'll ever win a major ever again. I don't ever want to count that guy out, but I mean, I think his golf career as we knew it before or what we expected of it is completely over. Agreed. I mean, you can look at someone like Alex Smith and say, all right, that guy came back from the most gruesome leg injury. They thought he was going to lose his leg, Alex Smith. And he came back not only to walk, they weren't sure he would walk again, not only to be able to run again, but, but he, re- he played. came back and played in the NFL in a game. That wasn't a charity thing. It wasn't and a- threw for 400 yards. It wasn't like he just came in at the end in, in garbage time. He won a game for, for Washington and threw for, I mean, yes, what he did was incredible. And if I'm Tiger Woods, I'm talking to Alex Smith about how did you get back? You know, and if I'm Nike, I'm filming everything because you film everything from the hospital to the rehab to you move forward, hospital, the rehab, all of it to him swinging on the range, to him playing and getting back out to the fans. And that's your, you cut that as a commercial. And so for Tiger, a guy whose story was unbelievable, and I highly recommend watching the two part docu- documentary. I'm in it, I'm in the second part. Yeah. You understand that, like, the story of his career when he was young was person of color. He didn't call himself black, but he was essentially a black golfer. The first sort of, you know, major winning black golfer on the PGA Tour. You know, he represented so much to so many people. He dominated in a way that no one's dominated this game ever. And I would argue, you know, he dominated more than Jack Nicholas dominated. He dominated more than Arnold Palmer dominated. He yeah. dominated. He dominated more than anyone in, in a time when there were more better golfers around, where there was a better field. He just took him to task. And then his double life, his life, uh, he should have never gotten married. That was a huge mistake on his part. He should have just had fun, done the Derek Jeter route, just yeah. enjoyed as many women as he I could. Think G- I think Jeter needs to, you know how like they sit down with athletes and they have like, this is how you handle your finances. This is how you handle that. They, they do all those like for rookies and stuff. They do yeah. those seminars. I think Derek Jeter has to sit down with everyone who's about to be a huge superstar and say, this is how you do it. Here is my code at Bath and Body Works at Crabtree and Evelyn. This is how you put the basket together. This is what you do with a one night stand. You give her a $120 basket. With but a, but that we, was the thing that was different about Tiger. And that was what was so weird. And you understood sort of his lack of relationships in his life and the way his father sort of engineered his life. These, these trysts with the women weren't just one night stands and about the sex. He was building quote unquote relationships. Every single one of these women felt like they were in a relationship with him, which is crazy. And it is insane. But the fact that he felt like he needed to do that to connect with these women, like he didn't have to even do that. So many of these women would have been interested in being with him just to be with him. So the bottom line is this, and then we'll get to break because I want to talk to Brando is Tiger Woods should not be driving in a relationship and he should not be driving his own car. There should be somebody else doing that driving for him. Am I right? Because I don't know if he can Agreed. handle it right now. I don't uh, know if he could have ever handled it. That's a fact. So I hope he gets better, obviously. I hope he can play golf again because when he's in a tournament, it's just that much better. I don't think he'll ever win another major. I don't think he'll win another tournament. I think he'll be invited to play at tournaments and he'll show up in a sort of a, more of a figurehead status but uh, this was he has a chance insane. to rewrite his history a little bit and create a new chapter that can kind of perhaps even overshadow the other chapters. I hope he does. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Tim Brando, and then later on the show, uh, Rudy Giuliani. This is View from the Cheap Seats. Don't go anywhere. Guys, with the bustling holiday season well underway, ready-to-eat meal delivery can lend a helping hand, and our good buddies at Factor, they got it. They shop, they prep, they cook, they deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted 
dietitian-approved meals during the holidays. How good does that sound? Minus the hassle, that sounds even better. Plus, you know, you got 34 meals per week, Gourmet Plus, Keto, which I've been doing and I love, Calorie Smart Vegan Plus Veggie, and 36-plus weekly add-ons. You'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My mouth is watering. I can't even do this ad. Our holidays, look, they're jam-packed. I know yours are too. Everyone's looking down the barrel of like so much busy time. If you got two minutes, you get the factor meals. They're super easy to prepare. And all of a sudden you're having like a restaurant quality meal in your own home. It's cheaper than going out. As we mentioned, 34 meals per week, 36 plus add-on options. It's amazing. It's cheaper than dining out. Take that money that you save from from not going out and spending money at a restaurant and spend it on the holidays, on gifts and stuff. Special occasion meal, Gourmet Plus, perfect solution. If you're looking for that, upscale. Their options are done easy. It's amazing. Look, here's what you do. Head to go.factor75.com slash sklar60. Use the code sklar60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code sklar60 at go.factor75.com slash sklar60 to get 60% off your first box. I'm telling you, this factor thing is amazing. You'll be amazed at how much time and money you save, and we all need that as we roll into the holidays. Uh, hey, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, as we mentioned before, it's just a treat for us to talk to this guy because we've listened to him, we appreciate him really associate him mostly with college football, but I know he's way into college basketball as well. Amazing, interesting college basketball season we're on right now on the precipice of the tournament. Love talking to him. Tim Brando, grandfather, new grandbaby that he's hanging out with. He's in a good mood. Thanks for joining us, man. How are you? You know, it's I can't imagine anything better than um, just pumping my chest out to these Michiganders yeah. about – how underrated grandparenting is, you know, uh, <laughs> I go on Medicare Saturday when I'm calling my, my game in Connecticut of all places, guys, where am I going to spend my 65th birthday? And a stone's throw from lovely bucolic Bristol, Connecticut. There you, there you go. To do Yukon and, um, and Marquette on Fox. And I was supposed to be here with this baby and my daughter and her, my son-in-law here in Jackson, Mississippi last week, but we were snowed in. I couldn't get out yeah. of my driveway. Yeah. Unreal. The very reason I left Connecticut was for what the hell I had out my front door right. in Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you leave Connecticut for the snow of the South. Um, it is. Well, the, it was that, the only difference is we don't have the plows. We don't have the salt trucks. You're not ready so for I it. Get out of my, I mean, I could not get out of my, uh, my driveway. It was it was that bad, but it's great to be with you. And we've got two first name grandbabies here. Yeah, uh, Wilma Scarlett is the four year old. Nice and Mamie Lou. Mamie Lou. Uh, Mamie after a, a great grandmother, and Lou was after the favorite character of our four year old in the movie Grinch. All right. Nice. She plays Grinch nonstop. She plays Grinch like I play Christmas Vacation at Christmas. My nice. kids love the Grinch. My kids love and, the Grinch. Yeah, and and Amy Lou Who uh-huh. is her favorite. Oh, is yeah. her favorite character. Love it. So this is Mamie Lou Who. Mamie Lou Who. Her little sister. I so love, it. love it. Well, congrats. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it makes it makes all the work worth it as we do it. And what a crit. You talk about snow in in Louisiana, snow down in Mississippi, snow down in Texas. Yeah. This whole season is turned upside down. I mean, you're looking at like Kentucky and they don't even have a they're not going to make the tournament. Duke is on the precipice with a with a big win recently. Yep. Michigan State's on the precipice with a big win against Illinois last night, but they're definitely not going to be number 1 seeds. They're going to be 10 seeds, 11 seeds, 12 seeds if they get in, maybe some Is of the this playoffs. is this the most wide open field in your recent memory for the team. Yeah, I think so. And and a lot of the pundits, because they're paid to be pundits, okay, have to come up with something. Mm-hmm. And the something this year has been, oh, Baylor and Gonzaga are in a different league. I don't believe that for one second. No. I mean, not one second. Now, this isn't to say that they don't play at a very high level or that either one of the teams could maybe win the national championship. Sure. Baylor's incredible talent. They shoot the lights out. They defend the three. Gonzaga is taller and bigger and longer than they've ever been. But they have the same issues that they always have, and that is they haven't played anybody since, you know, they got into West Coast Conference play. 
So how do we know how good they are again until we get to the tournament? Mark Few has gotten them, obviously, to the finals recently, didn't yeah. win it, but he got them there. So they could be there. But, fellas, you know, look, I, as you know, I do a lot of Big Ten basketball. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Illinois did lose uh, to, to Michigan State, a desperate Michigan State team on Wednesday night. And, and by the way, no one wants to play Izzo if he's a 12 seed in a 5-12 game. No, absolutely not. Or is an 11 seed in a 6-11 game. But but Illinois is legit. Yeah. They got the best inside-outside combination in Kofi Coburn and Io Dosunu yep. in the country. Uh, and then Ohio State is loaded uh, at every position on the floor. Yep. C.J. Walker is coming off the bench. He's a great sixth man. Yep. Uh, Liddell, I think, has proven his critics wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that was a mammoth. That I mean, game. Mammoth. That game. That's- that, with Michigan that on game, Saturday, can far we just away the best game of the year? Yeah, so far it was the most watched college basketball game of the year, uh, and I just think it just gained steam. And it was one of those instant classic games, like two heavyweights, a three and a, the way you expect a three and a four to play you against know, each I other. I got to tell you, it it reminded me, and you guys are you know, this is right in your wheelhouse. You were doing cheap seats back then, or, yeah. or, or would be doing cheap seats about this time in nineteen ninety two. Uh, I did the second meeting, not the third, the second meeting between Ohio State and Michigan yeah. at Ohio State Yep, uh, that the Buckeyes won. Jimmy Jackson's on the floor with Gent and all those studs at Ohio State. You had the Fab, you had the fab yep, Five. five. Um, yep. And, and, and it was a, just a heavyweight matchup. I did the game on ESPN back in 92. Yeah. And then, of course, they met again in the regional finals in Lexington. We know how that worked out. That's and, right. And Michigan won the rubber match, but the, the the it's very very rare that you'll see a game in college basketball today mm-hmm. that takes you back that far yeah because the level of talent just now with the one and done era uh, permanently in place just hasn't been as good but these two teams are loaded and and they played the game instead of outside in they played it inside out that's right uh you know that's right Dickinson is just a beast he's and, amazing and he was he was the difference in the game. I yep, mean, I think his so. baskets off the offensive boards were really the difference in that basketball game. Otherwise, they're even, in my opinion. I, look, I'm not going to be surprised at all if both Ohio State and Michigan are not on the one line yeah. comes to like Sunday. Regardless of what happened uh, in that game or any games between now and then, I think both of them acquitted themselves and looked like number one seeds. Unless either one of them blows up between now and then, uh, I could see both of them on the one line. And hell, Illinois is a two team. They're 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 on the two line. No worse than that. Iowa uh, even, Iowa might be Iowa might Iowa's be starting to play line. defense. Iowa's starting yeah. to play defense. Are you telling me they want to they want to rock fight the other they, night? They I did. Know? They did. <laughs> they scored seventy points and won a game. You know that generally never happens right. uh, with Fran McCaffrey's team. Uh, Look, the the Big Ten is loaded from top to bottom. I think there's even, you know, Michigan State is dangerous mm-hmm. uh, as a bubble team. Maryland is Maryland is starting to play. Indiana right has won some Indiana games. Has won Indiana some games. swept Iowa this year. So in any other league, in any other league, a team with the record of Tom Izzo's team would not have a prayer. But guess who he gets this weekend? You know, he get after playing Michigan, they they get Ohio State after Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got matchups with. Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, those are opportunities. Yeah. And you got a chance to get quad one wins. And and even when we don't have the COVID era to deal with, this time of year, it's always about which team is hungriest. That's right. And right now, those teams that are really, really hungry are making a difference. That's why I think you saw a bit of a pivot mm-hmm. uh, from the so-called Blue Bloods last week. Now, Clearly, Kansas is going to get in, but they're not Kansas of old. We no. know that. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest to you that a team like um, that's had great success in recent years, Florida, isn't as good, but they're in. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at at Duke, Kentucky, uh, Michigan State, these yeah. are teams that are now playing with the kind of pressure that they haven't had to deal with in years. That's I mean, right. That's right. Just to get in the tournament now. I don't think Kentucky can get there because they're not they're not playing enough games. Texas A and M, uh, you know, had a had a case breakout. They couldn't play this week, so that's one less game for Kentucky to play. And I just don't think they're very good. 
um, they, they can win one or two games. They beat Tennessee and gave their fans a little bit of life, but I don't think they can do it. Duke, on the other hand, I think you're seeing them turn it around yeah. and, and figure out, oh, my God, we can't let this happen. And the players are clearly good enough. They've got the talent. Uh, they, the, the, they have the they have the horses and the coaching, which is what I was watching when I was watching the Illinois game last night. And I'm like, well, Illinois, Illinois is coming back against Michigan State. They're coming back. They're coming back. And then yeah. – Henry makes this crazy Euro step inside crossover <laughs> move. And you say to yourself, yeah. oh yeah, these kids are five-star kids. They're, they're gonna, they, they may rise to the challenge with it. And you talk about Baylor, you mentioned Baylor at the beginning. Baylor got pushed by a two and 17 Iowa state team at Baylor last night. So after a pause. Okay. And that's what's happening guys with these, these issues that these players are facing. And, and I really don't think, Going all the way back to the start of football season, through football season, uh, look, I'm so glad we played. I'm so privileged to get to do what I do. Yeah, yep, I amazing. haven't had to do one game in a studio or out of the basement of my house this year. It's great. Fox has been kind enough to send me to the actual arena. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes a writ of habeas corpus to get me in there. Yes. You know, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but they're letting me go there. Uh, depending on what state you're in, you just don't know how much protocol you're going to have to go through. But, right. These players, especially in basketball, because it's a two-semester sport, mm -hmm. they've been isolated away from their families basically since October. That's right. So in, in many cases, the, the coaches, a lot of the schools didn't give them Christmas off, didn't let them go home for Christmas. That's right. You some don't want to bring some, anything back. Right. So in, in some cases, only now at a few places, by example, Marquette about uh, two weeks ago was playing – uh, a pretty meaningful game, uh, a sort of a bubble game opportunity for them. Uh, and for the first time, the, the parents of the kids were allowed to come to the game uh, at Pfizer Forum. Those parents were seeing their, their kids for the first time in six months. Yeah. Now, you know, think about the social time in your life. And isn't it college? Isn't college the most social time in your life? Absolutely. Ever. Uh, you know, and, and these kids haven't been able to be with their girlfriends, be with their their buddies, yeah. you know, their possible yeah. or their parents. So you put them on a 21-day uh, COVID protocol quarantine. quarantine. And they are, I mean, they're not going to be the same. No. I mean, who would be the same? I mean, so it, I, what, what they're going through, I don't think fans necessarily – uh, can gravitate to or grasp. It's you know? a different. It's it. a different thing. It's like when you talk about the NBA bubble. You know, yeah, they're not playing in front of fans, and yes, maybe the rims are better, and the shooting, and what you're the background mm -hmm. of what you're shooting against is better, so you might shoot better. But you got to think to yourself: these guys have been locked away; they're away from their families; they're not sleeping in their own beds; they're in this thing for right. a long period of time. It's a. It takes a different mental capacity to handle this and so much of this game when you get down to it is mental now you're in the arenas with these kids what's interesting and, and watching them play is that every game seems to me like that and i this is the most beautiful thing in the world the first weekend of the ncaa tournament when you get that 9 a.m thursday game or where you're playing and there aren't that many fans in the stands so there yeah. there's like an everything is equalized a little bit and so yeah, yeah. Home court advantage is kind of taken out of it. Home courts start to feel like neutral courts. That's why I think you're seeing so much great parity in, in college basketball this year is yeah, that these games feel and, like tournament. Yeah, and you know something else? Uh, this is something, Randy, for you guys to think about. I, in my view, if you have a, a, a culture program, a, a program that's not about just the Jimmys and Joes right. and four stars and five stars and, and getting – all of the top tier talent. Okay. So the opposite of Calipari and K mm -hmm. now look, K's actually in his last game, I thought it was pretty interesting to see his defense step up. Yep. That's the first time him defend the three all year. Yeah. Okay. And they held, um, Syracuse, it, 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 you know, they jumped on them, got their foot on their jugular and just didn't let off. And right. they had not done that all year. And that's what happens when you, sell your soul to the one and done. These guys aren't just thinking about next week. They're thinking about the, the combine and the NBA draft coming up. All right. Yeah. So, but if you have old culture, in other words, 
Uh, I'll give you a great example. Wisconsin. Yes. All right? Yes. They're a top 25 team every year. Yep. They don't have anyone that just, you know, they don't have anyone that uh, no Ethan Hap type, you know, mm-hmm. no walking double double out there. Right. But they're old. Their cumulative age. Okay. On that team is older than the Chicago Bulls I, roster. That's amazing. Think about that. Yeah. That's Think about that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just and, experienced. And, yeah. And, and, uh, Villanova, Jay Wright's team, they even had a 27-day pause, came back and played a really good Seton Hall team, won the game by two at home, and then they beat them. I have that rematch game uh, at Seton Hall, which, by the way, I think they're a sleeper team. They're they're much better than their record. But, yeah. but Villanova, what do they always do? Now, granted, they have the occasional surprise story like a DiVincenzo right. or a Daniel Ochefu, who nobody thought was that good, then he plays so well in the tournament. He gets drafted after two years. That right. that may happen, but he doesn't have one and done. No, he keeps generally him. speaking. He keeps Josh him. Hart's a yeah. four-year guy or was a four-year guy. You look at a guy like uh Archie Diacono. Yep. Colin Gillespie is a clone of Archie Diacono. That's and right. and Jalen Brunson was there for you know a full forever. Yeah. Forever. And 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 it's, he's been recycling these same kinds of players for such a long time that they don't they don't need to develop chemistry because they have it. That's right. It's part of the culture. Uh, these guys have been playing together for so long. So the young teams that are trying to get used to playing with one another, like Kentucky, like Duke, like uh, Michigan State's team, you know, without Cassius Winston this year. Right. It's taken time for them. That's you know? right. And, uh, you know, and Langford wasn't completely healthy. He's now getting a little healthier, he is. which makes a difference for Michigan State. But it's those teams that have veteran talent and watch out guys for mid majors that are made up of juniors, seniors. Teams, you know, teams that no one thinks of like a Drake. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a team out of the, um, out of the uh, mountain West conference, like a, a Boise state that yeah. no one really pays attention to. Yeah. Right. Uh, these teams could be real trouble uh, in the tournament, but there aren't very many quote unquote power six you know, counting the Big East schools that have players and teams that are made up of veteran lineups. Michigan, and Michigan, Michi- I mean, Michigan, Michigan has Michigan. it. You got Eli Brooks, you got Isaiah Livers, you got Mike Smith, you got blending, you- blending with younger guys. That's right, right. Okay. and that's so Super you teach. Freshman. Right, you pass the culture down, and and yeah. you, you see how how strong that culture is in that locker room. Right. But look at Franz Wagner; he's only a sophomore, but he plays like he's a junior plays or senior. Plays older, yeah, he plays old, and teaches. Did you guys the think Juwan would be this good? So we knew Juwan because so you said ninety two. Yeah. That was a decade before we were doing cheap seats. We were at Michigan in ninety two, and so we were well, there. I know. So we were there. (laughs) We were there with, I love that you made us older, but we were there with the, we were there with the fab five and Jawan was, Jawan was a smart guy, a really sweet guy. You could tell that there was something to him. And then you watch him in the NBA and then you watch him on the, on the bench and what he's doing with big guys like Bam out of bio, getting him a max contract out of nowhere, what he's doing with these bigs and showing them how to, how to play and really coaching them up, you say to yourself, okay, this guy is, he he can do it. You understand that he was the first recruited of the Fab Five and he worked right. his tail off to get the other kids in there. He really, yeah. he's that, he's a recruiter. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I knew he would be good, but I didn't know that he'd be this good. Let me tell you why. Beeline was, in Incredible. my opinion. Unbelievable. I don't know if I've ever been to a practice that accomplished more in a shorter span of time than a John Beeline practice. Wow. The guy was just money yeah. in terms of teaching, teaching the game, offense, defense, maximizing his time. And he definitely adhered to the 20-hour limit per week. You could tell by the way he ran his practice that, hey, man, we're moving this thing. We're moving it along. And his style of offense was not an easy style. No, It, it took usually some time for his guards to come around to understand what, okay, well, here comes Jawan with an NBA mentality mm-hmm. who's really going to play the game completely opposite from the way Beeline uh, played it. Yeah. Now, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make one way right and one way wrong. It's just a different way of playing the game. Right. So I thought that Jawan's struggles would be because of the transition, okay, 
But here's what he did that I really loved. And I talked at length with him um, last year when I was in to do a game. And he said, listen, I have great respect for Coach Beeline. And I knew I couldn't just come right in right away. And now, now with my bigs, that was different. I, I could work with my bigs. That's right. what I do. Right. But I didn't want to totally change everything because these guys had one of the great coaches. I mean, to adjust and adapt yeah. based on the greatness of the guy that preceded him. That's amazing. Man, that, that is strong stuff. And I did not know that he had that makeup within him. And uh, he's going to he's gonna win a national championship or maybe multiple ones if he stays. I mean, I, he really will. I think he's going to definitely – obviously, his son's on the team now as a freshman. He's got another son that could be coming in not next year or two years from now, yeah, 2022. Two years. Yeah. yeah. You definitely think he's going to be around for both of those kids because he's a family guy. You get the feeling that he realizes how special it is just to be around his kids. As a guy who played in the NBA and was gone for a lot of their childhood because he's yeah. on the road doing stuff, he's like, I'm here. We get to hang yeah. out every day. Like, There's something he, special he about that. At, he was staying at that uh, uh, just off the campus there. Yeah, He couldn't walk it, but it was a little like a Marriott uh, Yeah. Courtyard, yeah, and he was staying like on the top, and, and I came in to do a game, and and uh, and my my baggage didn't make it, and so I was waiting up to the very end, uh-huh. and a, a, a courier was bringing my clothing. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> and, yeah, and he he comes walking past me to go to the shoot around, and I said, uh, Coach, normally I'd come to the shoot around, but I I can't. I've got to I got to wait to see if my luggage my, my luggage makes it. <laughs> and he says, Oh, hey, man. Look, if 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 you need to, there's a place just a couple of uh, blocks over. It's a big man, tall man shop. We can fix you. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody in that hotel, everybody in that hotel, was on a first name basis with him. That's yeah. right. Okay, that's and and you know he's old enough, and you guys are too. Yeah. To remember, you know, when Fisher took over. Yep. Uh, at coach because uh, Frieder wasn't going to be mm-hmm. a Michigan man. The yep. whole. The whole Bo Schembechler, oh, I, don't, I want a Michigan man coaching a Michigan team. Right. He remembers that, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's not just a uh, – he's he's as, he's as into Michigan as any uh, young head basketball coach at Michigan could possibly be. And he – you know, and, and the brand of basketball they play, the extra pass, find the guy, yeah. pass up a good shot for a better shot, to me is a beautiful brand of basketball. There is a wide-open NBA sort of free-flowing style to the way it goes. And then, you know, his in-game adjustments are amazing. You know, he'll, get, he'll be getting crushed and then switch to his zone, and you say to yourself, well, that was smart. He, ju- he literally has been getting crushed for five minutes, calls a timeout, comes back and fixes it. I think, you know, you can't forget he learned from Pat Riley, which trickles right. down to Eric Spolstra, Spolstra, who's an unbelievable coach. He, he, he gives Spolstra the lion's share of credit. Yep. And I, I think deservingly so, because, you know, Spolstra was the video guy when he started. Yeah. And so that was sort of what he did when he got going. It was like, well, I'll be the video guy. I'll work on the video. And, and he became sort of a guru in that area. And so many coaches, especially college basketball coaches, they play it one way. You know, a lot of times when you're preparing for a game, uh, it depends on which coach you're talking to as it relates to, you know, what kind of information you're going to get about matchups. Like, for instance, in the old days, I would never talk to uh, Knight or Kay or Roy about the opposition, really, except if they had one unbelievable player. How do you defend that one unbelievable player? Because they were only concerned with what, they're going to their do. team doing right. if we do our stuff we impose our will on them that's right we force them to change it was almost a, a level of arrogance about well you know no team is going to make us adapt we make them adapt to, to us. us that's He's right. not built that and that's really sort of a an nba thing and in the time that i spent i'm a critic of the nba in a lot of areas yeah, yeah. but i will tell you uh in my years doing nba games in the 90s I learned more with that cl- with that shot clock being where it was mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. early you have to initiate the offense. You can't waste time. No. And uh, I spent three years following the Atlanta Hawks when Lenny Wilkins was coach. Yeah. And I learned a lot of basketball mm-hmm. from just being in his presence. Yeah. And you can tell that that's what that's what Juwan did. Um, he's got a he's got a collegiate mentality, 
but a pro approach. That's it. That's it. He's pulling from both worlds. And that's so let let me ask you about that because I just saw some rumblings and I'm sure you did too. You know, the Celtics are not performing where we think they probably should be. And, you know, you look at the NBA and you look at the East and the teams that are sort of dominating in the East and you say to yourself, well, you know, there's some talk that maybe the Celtics are over Brad Stevens or the Brad Stevens of it all. Here's a guy who was incredible in college and did what you said, took a, a mid-major team like Butler and, and turned them into a powerhouse, turned them into like a Gonzaga-level team that was always there, would get good talent, good evaluator, had a great system in place. I'll never forget when... LeBron took, you know, when the Cavs took the Celtics and won that game seven in Boston, Mm -hmm. it was LeBron versus a system. Okay. They had a bunch of guys in the way they played that system. Do you think if let's say the Celtics move past Brad Stevens, do you see a guy like that coming back to college or do you think? Oh yeah. You think so? Oh yeah. And he can write his ticket. Yep. I, I actually for a long time have said this. And, uh, so it's not breaking news. Okay. Yeah. But when Shashevsky does walk away, uh, I think a lot of people believe that Mike wants one of his guys because all of his staff has always been uh, other than Mike Bray. Mike Bray is really the only assistant coach. He and Pete Gaudette, yeah. going back to the 80s and 90s, uh, who was an Army with, with Mike and, and was a head coach there. Only, only Gaudette and Mike Bray now at Notre Dame are non-former players that were on Mike's staff. And I think a lot of people felt like when Wojo went to Marquette, if he could get it going at Marquette, then Mike was going to absolutely say, that's my guy. And if you look at the profile personally of Wojo and of Mike, it was no doubt that was Mike's favorite player. Yeah. But Steve's had trouble, you know, at Marquette. He's, his teams have, have floundered in February. They're back on the bubble again. Uh, in fact, uh, as of this taping, they're taking on uh, – a matchup with uh, North Carolina earlier in the week because North Carolina reached out with nine days, not having a game. They wanted to play somebody. That's and right. so Marquette was in need of wins. They took the game. I, I just don't think that uh, a former player, whether it's Amaker, Dawkins, any, any of those guys, Capel, Capel, Collins, Collins, Capel, Collins, Capel uh, you know, I just don't think right now that that group of guys, all great coaches, good young coaches, Hurley, I don't, done enough could hurley what about hurley i mean hurley's the one guy who you're like maybe you know i i i would suggest to you that danny based on what he's doing with uconn right now right might be the better hurley that's right you know what i mean i don't think bobby has set the world on fire just yet no right so anyway the reason i'm saying all of this is Is because brad stevens could come if by chance mike can't shoehorn his guy in there and uh, i thought it was interesting that kevin white the athletic the athletic director there longtime ad had been at notre dame yeah before he came to duke kevin's a good man and also was at arizona state his sons are michael white the coach at florida mm-hmm. and danny white the new athletic director at tennessee uh, at tennessee yep. from ucf kevin stepped aside and decided to retire and i think maybe just maybe one of the reasons for that is you know, he doesn't want to get into that. Whenever Mike walks away, can you imagine he, that? He doesn't want to be involved in that. Um, that's my opinion. I haven't heard that from him, but that's my opinion. I mean, I mean, has, I Brad Stevens, yeah. Brad Stevens is the guy that you would, you would say right now at a blue blood program, mm-hmm. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, you name the big school. If you said name your coach that you would most want at your place, that has no ties to the university. Brad Stevens is the guy. Uh, I think Brad Stevens. Absolutely. In my opinion, he gets any job in college he wants. Agreed. Including. Yeah. I mean, he could bring back a program like UCLA. He could bring back Stanford. He could. UCLA is not playing that bad this year, but uh, not poorly this year. I want to talk. I want to, I want to switch gears and just talk a little college football for a little bit. This is my question to you as a guy who's been covering college football for so long. Do we have a problem with college football in that we know who's basically going to be in the playoff before the season, yes. before yes. spring football? Yes. How do we fix it, Brandon? How, how, how do we fix it? I have the drum here. I mean, <laughs> tell us, tell us. Tell, how do we fix it, it Brando? Okay. I'm going to do something for you guys that I rarely, I rarely do. I'm going to give you the unvarnished 
I love Chitty it. Beach. Okay. I love it. If you were to line up all the commissioners of the Power Five and just say to them, okay, you cannot walk away here mm-hmm. from giving us an answer. You can't politicize this. You have to tell us yes or no. Do you want eight teams in your playoff or do you want four? Mm-hmm. Now you got to be honest. You got to give me the answer. If you line them up, I think to a man, they would say, "Yeah, we want eight. eight. Yep. Well, why, well, why don't we have eight? <laughs> why don't we? The reason have we eight? don't have eight is economics. Mm-hmm. Okay, and not the economics that maybe you're thinking about. All right, it's it's the economics of the television industry right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that was a long contract. That was a twelve year deal. And they have now finally gotten past the sixth year. So we've got five years left on this thing. Okay. And right now, your old employer and my old employer is on the hook for the NBA, Mm -hmm. the NFL, and they're going to have to pony up a lot more to get what they want for the NFL. That's right. And they just invested $300 million a year annually to the SEC beginning in 2024. And from what I'm told, they may be buying out the remaining three years of CBS's deal. Wow. And I guarantee you CBS is not going to let them off the hook. They're going to have to pay them market value if they want that. That's right. Think about it. That's a lot to have on the hook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if, if, if you wanted to expand it to eight teams stands to reason that the, 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 the rights holder would want what more money, more money. You're you're getting more inventory. So if you're going to get more inventory, you got to get more more money, money, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I I would say, you know, and again, I don't need to defend and I won't defend uh, the Disney overlords. Yes. Yeah. But they're they're on the hook for a lot of money right now. That's right. I mean, a lot. So So I I don't see it happening until the the, the contract is up, uh, which is five stinking more years. Mm -hmm. And, And that's unfortunate because... Um, I can tell you right now, just like I could tell you years ago when LeBron was in Cleveland, you know, who's going to be in the NBA. I could tell you That's all four right. teams in the NBA, uh, you know, Western and Eastern finals. I could tell you, yep. we'd be right. Yeah, we'd be right every year. And that's, that's it wasn't exciting. It's not, not good. good. For, it's not good for us to the three of us to be sitting here right now and saying Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and somebody right. else. Right. That's not that's exactly good. Right. Um, this is, and again, um, whenever I get into this, inevitably somebody will say, well, Brando works at Fox, therefore he's he's critical of the, no, I'm, not, I'm actually, I understand the position that ESPN is in. Right. I, I do. It's, it's an economic issue. And by the way, during this particular COVID year, everybody's hemorrhaging money. Right. You know, the schools are, Everyone. Uh, the, the rights holders are, everybody's doing their best to to try to lose less. Yes. We're going to lose money. It was about losing less money. That's right. Uh, but here's my hope. I will, I will say this. Uh, I would love to see, and again, this is just sort of my uh, perfect world. If scenario. Brando could write it, how would it be? If, if Brando if I could, could if write, I could write it. it and it wouldn't matter where I worked. It, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, the national football league is where it is now because it became invaluable. Uh, networks that didn't have it, uh, went into the toilet and their shareholders were like, you got to get that back. Mm-hmm. You know, CBS lost it for four years when Fox opened in 1994. That's right. NBC lost it in 98 when CBS got it back and they were dying to get it back. And, and, and now they're going to have to pay up by the way, to keep yeah. Sunday night football because yep. they're paying le- less than anybody mm-hmm. uh, right now. So they're going to have to pay up. So what am I what am I saying to you here? I'm mentioning when, with the NFL, I'm mentioning basically every network in 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 the in the United States is involved is a shareholder. They, they are investor in the, the the rights of the National Football League. That's right. Uh, college football, at the very least, okay, needs two carriers, not one, two. Yep. And that way, okay, you're not on the hook for as much if you're one network because. Both networks could work in concert with one another. That's right. Uh, and, and the promotion of college football would be greater because you would be on two different carriers, two That's major carriers. Absolutely right. And, and I, th- I think that we already have to, um, you know, we, we share rights at Fox uh, in the Pac-12 
for now. And with the Big, Big Ten, Ten, Pac-12. And, and the uh, Big 12. Uh, and the Big 12. Big 12, right. And because of that, uh, we have a lottery. Now, now in the Big Ten, Fox always picks first. Mm-hmm. It has the larger contract. But in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, uh, ESPN picks first, okay. okay, in terms of the first week when you're – and but those weeks rotate. Some weeks you go from picking second and fourth to one and three. But what right. I'm saying is there's a level of cooperation between the people in programming at the two networks. And let's face it, those are the two that are most invested in college sports. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it would just be very, very wise for the – the people that govern college football to get the most out of their potential to tap the marketplace to widen the way it out. That's a great, they should have two carriers instead of one. And uh, given the economics, uh, at least for the moment, I think it would certainly help if that were the case. But unfortunately, you know, as I said, that was a long-term deal they made and we're probably a handful of years away from ever seeing it happen. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And then we have three just tiny stories in the world of sports that I want to get Brando's take on. Tim Brando, the great Tim Brando. Hall of Fame. (laughs) The Hall of Fame in our mind, Tim Brando, uh, is with us right now. And we're just talking, how do we fix college football? The great college basketball season that we are knee deep in right now. And we'll be back right after this. Okay, welcome back to the show. Brando's with us. We got some quick hits. I want to get into it right now. Hey, by the way, since you guys mentioned it going to break, I am going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this summer. I imagine it. Wasn't that nice? And I, I, I was a finalist for the National Sports Hall of Fame, but I, I, I got, I got eased out by uh, uh, Bill King posthumously, Dick Stockton, and Jim Nance this year. I was. You're making it in. (laughs) Brando, you're you're in because Yeah, you're in because the truth of the matter is it's who are the voices and Stockton for us is a great voice and Nance's of course is a great voice. These are iconic voices that for you they they equal sports. I hear your voice and I'm like I'm watching college sports. I'm watching. Yeah, it means a lot. You, that means a lot to me. It's, it really does. It's the best. And for you know guys who love sports as much as we do, it just is It's pure joy to hear your voice coming out of Thanks. a TV and calling a game that. for us. So, all right, I want to talk about a couple of things in the in the world of sports because I know, you know, again, you follow all sports. You cover the college game better than anybody else, but you follow all sports. What did you make of when LeBron last week, and I really do believe this, LeBron said – that he could probably play for, and I mentioned two teams, the Seattle Seahawks the or, the, or the Dallas Cowboys as a tight end. In my opinion, first of all, he's 6'8", 250, okay, approximately. Mm-hmm. Bit taller than any tight end in the game right now. And can, can high point, better leaping ability than anybody. I mean, forget about the blocking. He could probably learn how to block. But, like, what do you think? I mean, I think this is a guy who could probably two-sport it. Yeah. I don't think he could handle the business of the NFL. The mm. game, I think he could handle. I don't think he could handle the business of the NFL because he wouldn't have the control off the floor yeah. that he has in the NBA. I mean, no one's going to tell the Shield what to do. Mm-hmm. Like like in the NBA, the Shield gets told by the Players Association what to do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's really it. I mean... Is, does he have the potential to be uh, better than Antonio Gates? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'll give you that. Uh, athletically, he has uh, all the requisite tools to be a, a fantastic tight end. But I think the freedom that the um, rank and file, forget LeBron, the freedom that the rank and file NBA player has yeah. with respect to the profession that he's in yeah. versus that of an NFL player. He wouldn't, I mean, it's not close. It's not even close. Uh, yeah, it's such no, a nimble I've, league. I've, I've actually sat in rooms in my – I've been so blessed through the years to get to meet some of these guys, some of whom I really didn't get a chance to follow as well. And certainly LeBron would be, you know, in that category. He didn't play at the college level. Therefore, I don't have a relationship with him. That was true with uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant as well. But I've been in rooms, whether it was like a celebrity golf tournament or uh, once I was at a, um, a broadcasting uh, school setup yeah. that uh, 
my old friend Craig James put together in Dallas, and mm -hmm. Marcus Allen was in the room mm -hmm. uh, talking with. Um, oh gosh, I, I want to say it was uh, it was definitely a baseball player. I can't remember who it was, but I, but it was a baseball player of some note. Yeah, uh, and, and he began to talk about man, you guys in the NFL have. The, and he just lit it, and he was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> you want you want? Let me tell you about my conversations with Gene Upshaw. Yeah, versus I'm sure your conversations with Donald Fair. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's crazy. amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're the old guard, the older guard of the NFL, they, they still have an axe to grind with, you know, in, in their minds, the treatment because they were the foundation. Sure. I agree that, that, that LeBron could be one whale of a tight end in the NFL, but I suspect that after just having to deal with the business side of things for maybe one season. That's a good would, point. The, the, the two words of uh, 2021. He would opt out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very, very well put. Uh, I know, I don't know how much you, you know, I mean, we grew up as, as we grew up as kids watching a lot of tennis. We just watched it. I mean, we had. I Matt, loved tennis Con you know, McEnroe and Connors, McEnroe. I mean, that whole uh, era. Courier. Courier. Yeah. That whole era into the 70s and 80s. That was just a, a glorious golden time for tennis. But I think what's really fascinating and amazing today, and I just want your take on it, we could be watching the three best men's tennis players of all time and in the same era, which is just out of this world. You think Federer's won 20 Grand Slams. Nadal, 20. 20. Djokovic, 19, Eight, 18. 18 or 19. 18. I mean, and, and Djokovic still has a lot of tennis to play. I mean, Federer and Nadal yeah. might be done, but like Djokovic still has a lot of good tennis to play. What do you think that is? I mean, do you think it is just the way we train ourselves nowadays, the way we meant these guys mentally prepare? Or Again, is it you're coincidence? At, yeah, what is what is it that's causing the that we're seeing this greatness for so long with these guys? Well, you know, it's interesting because tennis as a uh, niche sport. By the way, that's one of the sports I really miss calling. Yeah, people say, Tim, you're only really doing college football and basketball now of those sports that you called, and I did 25 of them at one place in the nine years I would have, was at ESPN, largely because uh, they didn't have much else. Yeah, you know, those, yeah no, back in the day. Australian rules, PKA bowling. Can you do that for us? <laughs> hey, uh, man, that's what so made I'm our show so up. great. That's what made our yeah. show so great, getting those, <laughs> right? I mean, I did crap that I had no idea existed when I got there in 1985. <laughs> mm -hmm, sure. but, um, but honestly... Uh, working with Cliff Drysdale and fiery Fred Stolle, mm. which I did for about a handful of years and getting to do some WCT events yeah. in Atlanta and covering guys like Paul Anacone against McEnroe in the day. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I did the women's warm up to Wimbledon one year and actually got to go to Wimbledon the year the commoners, uh, you know, got oh, in my, because the, of the, the rain. wave. Remember the, the wave? Rain? Remember yes. the wave? They did the wave yeah. on center court. Yeah, that I was unbelievable. The, I did the Pilkington glass championships in uh, a small uh, community uh, on the English Channel uh, and Martina was at the height of her Cindy uh, Judy Nelson controversy oh, do you remember wow. that yes, yes. That's yeah Eddie, right during that period and uh, it, it was just a thrill to get to do that yeah. and uh, I was working with Betsy Nagelson who was married to Mark McCormick mm -hmm. Betsy was a great um, uh doubles player and she was married to mark and uh it was it was so much fun to do and we were sending it back to espn live but we had no graphics so uh, this is a little inside baseball but you'll love this mm -hmm. the coordinating producer was in the uh, small truck with us calling it from there in uh, eastbourne england that was the name of the town right eastbourne. on the english channel yeah amazing and um it was a grass event, so it felt like Wimbledon. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Way. There aren't that many. And, uh, and they would hold up an index card saying, this is what's on the screen. Wow. So I would just reference, okay, this is, you know, this is the graphic that's on the screen. Mm -hmm. That's her third double fault in the last two games. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, pray to God that's what's on the screen <laughs> because I'm just, this is blind loyalty. Yes, you know? I'm just guessing. The way we did TV back in those days. But... Uh, Tennis was great then, and I think uh, America was more into it because of the personalities of uh, 
of, of, of Mac, Johnny Mac, and Jimmy Connors when he made that run to the semis. Chris Everett. The Chris Everett, I mean, yeah. People remember those moments, but you're right. At the level of play, kind of going back really to Sampras, when Sampras got really going, yeah. and I got to do the last tennis I called was with Tony Traber when HDTV came Mm-hmm. into vogue in the early 2000s yep they had to have separate trucks to do the broadcast because they couldn't get the analog and the and the hd linked up wow. so while inberg and McEnroe were working on cbs if you had hd in the early 2000s and you would have had to made millions you were getting tony trabert and me that's and amazing it was still a thrill yeah you know, i got to venus and serena's first wow. u.s open final which wow. was really cool and that was just uh, a day before that. That, that was on um, September 9th of 2001. I flew out of Newark September 10th, 10th. and then 2001. And then September 11th. That's by un- one day. Uh, but the, the, what, the, what happened, I think, with tennis is that because we lost the the personalities from the states. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, look, Sampras was a good guy, but he was kind of... He was kind of bland. He was kind of bland. He, he was, was not... Bland he guy. wasn't Agassi, let's be honest. No, he was getting all of the commercials, and he hadn't even won a Grand Slam event yeah. during the time that Sampras was winning. But then Agassi got it up to, to speed. Yeah. But I believe, and the guy that I really love to watch, uh, and when I'm compelled, and I must say, I'm, I'm envious of Chris Fowler when he gets through with college football, and he gets to go over to the Australian Open that's and right. just like in the same week. Yeah. To me, that's almost as good as Nance doing the final four and, and the Masters. Right yeah, that's Masters. Close. It's close. close. It's great. Um, yeah. But but I I get I get such a kick out of watching Djokovic because he's he's got persona. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a little bit bad. Yeah. But he but he's always funny. You know, he's got a he's. To me, he's got a funny side to it. He, you know, he does. Um, when 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 yeah, when Roddick lost to him at the U.S. Open, and again, Roddick won the one U.S. Open. Roddick is right. the one guy that, in my opinion, lived in the shadow of these other three for so long. Roddick mm-hmm. loses to Djokovic in a match that he could have won, and I think he beat Federer to get there. And you were like, okay, yeah. this is yours. This is the one. And then they do that unbelievable interview with the guy that everyone in it it flushing can. Yeah. Everyone can hear, and Djokovic just goes up to the microphone, and he knows everyone was there to see Roddick win. And Djokovic is just like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won." <laughs> That's what you're talking about. There's a sense yeah, of humor. He's he's uh, he's transparent to a fault. I think that is maybe you know, and sometimes it gets him into a little bit of trouble as a result. Yeah, but I I love that about him, and. Uh, that that's a sport in my that I really do miss. People ask me which ones do you miss. I'd say that one, uh, the College World Series. I miss being at that. That's mm-hmm. a glorious event. Yeah. People sure. just maybe the the purest of all NCAA yep. championship. And I really did enjoy calling figure skating. Much like uh, tennis, figure skating and gymnastics. Those those two sports. Yep. Really, the play by play guy just kind of brings you out of a break. Yep. And then into a break. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you just lay out, watch them do their stuff. Mm-hmm. And the analyst might say a thing or two. And it's up to you to say something that might be uh, memorable uh, going to a commercial break. Yeah. You know, other than that, you don't have a lot to do. I mean, you could be doing Pat Summerall. Yeah. You know, on golf back in the day where he's just kind of to 19. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, this is so great. Brando, you are the best. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Really, really appreciate your insights and just what you do. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Enjoy your grandbaby. Uh, and, and, And I'm so looking forward to you taking us down the stretch as this college basketball season unfolds. Well, I appreciate that. And know this, um, I can't wait to see you guys live again. I can't wait to see any entertainment live. Agreed. Again. Agreed. Uh, and and one last thing. Uh, one of my friends said to me, a producer friend of mine, uh, said, my God, can't we, I mean, haven't we seen enough now to know that we can have these arenas and these stadiums at least 
you know, 20% full for a sporting event. I think we're and, heading there. We're heading there. Just after that, uh, the, the I think he's won 22 Emmys now. Fred Godelli, who produces Sunday Night Football, jumped in right away and he said, the National Football League, they've done the work. They've seen it. There was no transmission of COVID at any NFL stadium. That's great. There was no, none. Okay. Where, wherever fans came in. Okay. They did the work. Congress. You got to do the work. You got to have the we, protocols in place and then you can get it done. I think you can. Yeah. And, and, if, and if that means your room is a quarter full, wouldn't you still like to be entertaining in that room? Yes. And so okay. I think we're heading that way. I hope so. I want to come yeah. back to I want to come back to a place where everyone's okay and we're in full stadiums and we come back to Ann Arbor and you're calling a game and you and Spencer Tillman are doing <laughs> your thing and we sneak up into the booth and you call us out, which was one of our favorite moments in all in the Nebraska. Our phones game. blew up. Our phones blew up. Our phones up. blew up thanks to you. Whenever whenever I'm down and low go to YouTube and pull out cheap seats on the Holiday Bowl you were amazing. of 1989. Brando, amazing. <laughs> Guys, a blast at Coach Dooley and my expense. And it was one of the funniest damn things I've ever seen. And if those, uh, we need more entertainment like agreed, that. I mean, agreed, agreed. You know, agreed. you guys are, you guys are magnificent. Thanks for having me. Thanks. We'll be right back with more View from the Cheap Seats right after this. Tim Brando, unbelievable. I love that guy so much. He's just the greatest, the greatest of the greatest. And uh, for anybody who has enjoyed him in the past, uh, continue to do so. We will do that. Uh, and now we turn our sights to Rudy Giuliani, who made some comments about Michelle Wee that were very untoward this week about that, that just were unnecessary that he had to make those comments. Inappropriate. When she bends down to pick up the putts, he always liked to look at her panties, something along those lines. It's terrible. Rudy is with us right now. Mr. Giuliani, are you there? <laughs> of course I'm here. Not funny. I'm always here. When you guys ask me to be here, I'm here. When Donald Trump asked me to be there, I'm there. So yes, I'm here. Right. Okay. So I believe your comment was that paparazzi were there taking pictures of what you thought was you. And then up on the green, Michelle Wee was trying a new putting stance. She bent over, revealed her panties. And then you jokingly said, hey, I think the, they're there for them, not there for us. That's who the ph photographers are there for. Not that funny of a joke. Then you asked if you could say the joke after well, you said the joke. Yet. Hold on. It was a lot funnier when I said it than what you just did with that spaghetti thing. I mean, geez, Louise. No wonder. I mean, come on, guys. Get to the punchline. I knew Don Rickles, so trust me. He knew how to get there. <laughs> you you did. Okay, fine. So maybe you knew Don Rickles, but I mean, you do realize that, like, you can't objectify a female golfer like that. Uh, here's the thing. First of all, I was with Rush Limbaugh, which you conveniently left out, because I know you guys in the left-wing sports world hate to talk about <laughs> Rush, who was, he was a magnificent success, not only in the political talk show uh, field, but also in the oh. field of announcing sports. I mean, he was on Monday Night Football. He was terrible. Series. He was fired right away. He was fired right away. He was immediately fired. He was terrible. Yeah. Yes, part of the part of the left-wing cabal of the sports left-wing world. Look, here's what <laughs> happened. No here's what happened. Rush and I were having a terrific, terrific time on the course. Yeah, Michelle bends over. I see a little frilly lace. Make a joke. They're not taking pictures of us. They're taking pictures of her, which, by the way, they were. Trust me. Trust me on this. They were and not. Had a they laugh. Were and we, well, look, look, you know what? You and know and the Dominion voting machines were the Dominion voting machines were 100 percent pure. Right, Randy? Yeah, right? they were actually. They were That's fine. A, I'm actually no Jason. one had a problem with them. I'm Jason. And well, no, Rudy. prove it. Prove it in court, Jason. Okay, here's uh, actually I'm Randy. Randy. I'm that's Randy, Randy. But that's okay. fucking Randy. Okay, well, you know, regardless, regardless, listen, I just want to say something here. You know, I, I I've been in the world of sports. As you guys know I've been involved in the world of sports for many, many years, many years, and I've never had this yeah. kind of scrutiny over such that. a. Yeah. Uh, hello. I mean, I knew Yvonne <laughs> Gulagong when you guys were just a, a blink in your mother's eye. Okay, and Yvonne and I <laughs> okay. we played several rounds of tennis. She wore a short skirt. Uh -huh. I said, Yvonne. You know, 15 love. I'm loving what you've got going on there. These oh, are the kind oh, of jokes. Right. These are the kind Come of jokes right. that were allowed before the left wing media circle, uh, sports media circle started to take over. And and the other they thing I would say is this: you know, this is a somber time for America. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, the golden microphone, excellence in broadcasting, oh, EIB network. 
He passed away. Yeah. This was a thoughtful, a sweet remark. No, heartfelt. no, Abs- absolutely not. Like well, I, this, if you want to, if you want to honor Rush Limbaugh, you can put all the uh, Confederate flags at half mast if you want. Well, all right. Oh well, that's that? that's uncalled for. Listen, you know another another listen Even another golfer who didn't mind these symbol. kinds of comments. I will tell you was Paige Fear Paige Fearnack. All right. I played, a, I played a, 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 a celebrity a pro-am tournament with her. She was, I mean, she was bending over left and right. We were placing bets oh, God. on, on, on things we stop. would see. And there stop. was no problem. I mean, there, is there truth to the fact that Nancy Lopez won't even come within 50 yards of you? Well, that's, that's, that, is a, that is a legal issue. That's still being debated. Okay, in the, so not see, unlike the Smartmatic machines. Uh, uh, no, stop automatic machines. We're fine. We've already you established. Oh, really? really? And have you talked to Mike Lindell? Have you talked to Mike Lindell? Yes, we did. We Mike Lindell had better start coming up with another thing. He better start making comforters or something else because well, he's guys, gonna, he's you gonna guys, switch. he's going to make he's going to make an, an incredible clubhead cover once this is all over. But trust me, I mean, and by the way, he has a he has a ten handicap. He's very good on the course. Very good. Very uh, good golfer. He's, handica- he's handicapped in other ways too. All right, well, Rudy, just stop making comments about golfers' panties. It's not very. It's not very good. It, you're very not in a good golf. position right now. Unlike That's Michelle right. Wee, when she was in a good position when she was putting. <laughs> you see, it's irresistible. Even you can't resist. Now that was a quick joke. I liked it. <laughs> that was got the Rudy really seal of approval. Joke. I'll let you kiss my little uh, no, I don't know if you want that. <laughs> I don't want that. I, that was he a mistake. Want the Rudy I, that was a mistake. I wasn't trying to be funny. All, All right, right Rudy, Rudy, just just keep it in your pants and keep it in. Keep your tongue in your mouth. Keep it in your pants and stop watching women's golf. Will you agree to that, please? I will agree to anything. On, in the world, obviously. I mean, you've seen my actions. I, agreeing to things is not the problem. Uh, it's yeah, about is, whether or not that's... those agreements are going to be breached, which I cannot vouch for right now because the legal system in this country is so skewed to the left. So you guys tell me, okay. you know, hey, promise this, bring this. Well, let me see. Let me see the paper. Let me see the ink. Okay. They okay. were, those votes were fraudulent. In fact, none of this all ever right. happened. Okay. Everything we just I knew talked this about was, was all mistake. fraudulent. It doesn't right. exist. I've evaporated. Okay. All right. All right. D- Rudy, you're 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 hitting six six over par on this one right here. And just right. we listen, we we I wanna say I wish you luck, but I only wish you luck in terms of I want you to get straight. Get straight. Get go back to being America's mayor, okay? Those are good times for you. <laughs> I got it, I got it. Straighten up and fly right. Sounds good, gentlemen. I gotta hit I gotta hit right. uh, I gotta, you know, a little uh, gin and tonic over here that's waiting for me. So uh Arrivederci. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Rudy. All right. There you right, go. There you go. Rudy that Giuliani. is the show, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, big thanks uh, to Tim Brando for doing a great job. Thanks to Aristotle, our uh, producer. Thank you, Chris Cox, the brilliant and amazing Chris Cox. Uh, get your uh, tickets as this drops this Friday, tomorrow night, live, Dumb People Town with Jack Black. And uh, Open Mike Eagle, we're going to announce who the next one is going to be. And our stand-up show that we're doing on March 20th. Get your tickets at Nowhere Comedy Club. We love you guys. Uh, punch of water we're gonna be doing live. We're going to be doing live cheap seats on that show on March 20th. Yes, we are. And then we're going to do the Stereo Conversation Day at 3. We'll see you for all that. Uh, and we'll see you next week. A podcast network. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. We are filled with an abundance of joy. We are filled with an abundance of joy. Also an abundance of questions. Good thing Geico has 24-7 claim service to help answer questions and resolve claims quickly. Uh, good thing Geico has 24-7 claim service. We are also filled with an abundance of biscuits. We are also filled with, uh... I don't think it works this way. Oh, and jam. Don't forget jam. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.